Okay, it's time. I just want to know you're ready. I'm ready. This Wednesday, the Marvel Universe is about to get a lot bigger. There's someone at the top. He's the guy I've been worried about this whole time. Not me. Studios Hawkeye season finale streaming this Wednesday only on Disney Plus. Bonus episode. There's already like seven million podcasts talking about pop culture and all that makes us happy like shooting at a wall, Brad. But it's all been done before. We don't want to be a copycat. We're the leftovers picking up the scraps dropped by the cool kids. It, it, it's a trap. Gonna toss it, gonna take it. Do we love it? Hey, let's face it. Hello, this is Randall Park, and you are listening to Pop Culture Leftovers. Hey, welcome to a bonus episode of Pop Culture Leftovers. I'm Brian. I'm Jake. We're the Leftovers. We're talking Leftovers. Um, yeah, Merry Christmas, everybody. Yeah. Yeah, Merry Christmas, the fucking Leftovers. Merry <laughs> what? What? Like I'm supposed? Oh, I'm supposed to be all nice and and non fucking uh, uh, n- like non fucking uh, cursy when it's Christmas time or something? Dude, I loved it. That's why I jumped on the bandwagon. Merry fucking Christmas, cunt bitches. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, yeah. Uh, all right. Yeah. So we're gonna be talking about the Hawkeye episode titled so this is fucking christmas no um, <laughs> we got we got neil howdy good to be back neil from the old smorgasbord podcast we've also we've also got joe stark hey happy to be here hey you're happy to have hey. you <laughs> that was a good one that was a good one it was a good one jake's keeping a tap jake's keeping it jake's keeping a <laughs> Jake's keeping a fucking tally, as we call it, on PCL. <laughs> Especially around these the... days, I'm going to throw you guys for a loop, and it'll just be, hello, my friends. I'm quite happy to be here. Yes. <laughs> I'm, wait- I'm waiting for, hey, hey, hey. <laughs> <laughs> guys, we're going to be talking about uh, the uh, sixth and uh, final episode of uh, season one of Hawkeye. Titled So This Is Christmas, directed by Reese Thomas and written by Jonathan Igla and Elisa Clement. And uh, yeah, we're going to be breaking this one down. Uh, we're going to hold off our ratings until the very end of the podcast, but we will be talking about some theories and things like that. Um, let's see here. I uh, yeah, I guess we'll just start off at the at the beginning of this episode. There's going to be some major things that we're going to talk about, and then we're going to. I guess we'll talk. Yeah, we'll we'll break everything down. But yeah, we do get the the big meeting here, at the beginning of the episode of uh, Eleanor Bishop sitting down, meeting with the Kingpin, played uh, once again by uh, Vincent D'Onofrio from the Daredevil Netflix series, and um, 
we find out that she's been working off the debt from her husband, Derek Bishop. And uh, so he owed a huge debt, and she says that she's paid it off tenfold since then. And uh, she's even she even says, I handled Armand like you asked. My fiancé is taking the fall for Sloan. And uh, talking about Sloan Limited, the uh, the covers uh, the the front company that uh, that he's been using, and um, she's saying like her daughter Kate has been getting too close to all this, and she says that's where I draw the line. And you know, Kingpin says like there are no lines in this business, and then she threatens him and says, I want you to know that I've been keeping an insurance policy. Uh, talking about copies of everything in a safe place and that she'd release those. And um, we learn a lot here. Learn a lot here. She's the one who killed Armand. She framed Jack. Derek Bishop, he owed a fuck ton of money and got involved with the Kingpin. We don't know what he was involved in. Um, yeah, this is uh, this is all the stuff we learn. Um Right off the beginning here, and it's like we're you know reintroduced to the kingpin. Um, thoughts on this, Neil? Yeah, I was really surprised actually that we got kingpin so early, and like so much of him throughout the episode. It was it was I did not expect to see so much of Vinny D in this, but I'm glad we did because they managed to tie up a lot of those threads that have been left hanging throughout the series or the season and just it was really neat and tidy um the way they wrapped up stuff while also leaving other things for hopefully a season two um yeah we definitely learned a fuck ton right away and it it, it just clarified kind of everybody's motivations from the villain guess kind of side and it was, re- it was really neat and tidy. I liked it. What did you think, Joe? Uh, what a great way to just open this up. Because I don't know about the rest of you, but the way that that last episode finished off where we just see that, you know, the thumbnail of what's clearly a video, you know, on her phone that she's showing to Clint. And Clint saying, you know, that's the guy I've been worried about this whole time, the kingpin. And then to start this next episode like that, I was so excited. And, and like you said, they crossed a lot of things off the list right away at the beginning of this. And I did not see it going the direction of Eleanor basically giving her resignation that, you know, it's clearly something you do not do with this guy. And so, yeah, I feel like this one just started off hitting the ground running with um, kind of giving up the farm on lots of stuff that we've been speculating about so far. And then also setting it up for a direction I didn't see going. You know, I, I thought we were going to get more of Eleanor, you know, kind of being a, a villain more in, in competition with Kingpin. And then to see her coming from the angle of, you know, no, I really do care about my family and I'm getting out of this for that reason. It kind of makes you more sympathetic to her than than at least I had been at any point so far in the series. Yeah, we also got to remember, though, that she killed Armand. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, she's done some bad shit for sure. I mean, she's the one who contacted, you know, Val to con- to hire Yelena to to kill Clint. Um, yeah, I mean, she's she's had her fair share of shit she's gotten involved in that's villainous. Jake, what did you think about all this at the beginning? 
Yeah, I was surprised by how much of an information dump this ended up being. And I mean, you guys kind of crossed all the boxes on just all the information. I really loved the way this was like filmed and edited too, like how you you saw the scene like a fly on the wall, like you were there, and then you got that transition to it being back on the cell phone. I thought it was a really cool way to open this episode up, like it much neater than just seeing the video play off the cell phone. So I applaud the way this was filmed. Yeah, what'd you think about our introduction here to to Vincent D'Onofrio's Kingpin? I thought it was great. I thought he stepped right back into it. It was like he never left. I, you know, it was just mesmerized again by D'Onofrio pulling this character off. So we get uh, Clint. I mean, yeah, we pull away uh, now. We see that Clint's, uh, you know, Clint and Kate have been watching this video, and uh, Clint learns that Eleanor hired Yelena to kill him and Kate is like basically saying to Clint this is my mess get back to your family and this is where we get the moment where he's like no you're my partner and I was I got kind of emotional when he said that not gonna lie yeah Yeah. me as well me as well (laughs) your mess is my mess yeah got me yeah, it got, it got, it got to me too. It got to me too. After like the, you know, after the journey that we've seen Clint trying to push her away pretty much throughout this entire series. And now he's saying, you know, I'm not going anywhere, you know, and it kind of made me think like a lot of things in this episode made me think of Clint viewing her as, uh, his relationship with, uh, with Natasha. Yeah. And um I'll, we'll get into more of that as we unpack it more. Uh Maya meets with Kingpin and uh he's wearing a Hawaiian shirt and then his <laughs> classic, you know, white suit and uh the shirt it's pulled directly from the uh Spider-Man family business storyline from the comics if you've seen that cover. And I posted that on Twitter and on Facebook. Um Kingpin is, says, "Do you want to tell me what's been going on?" And she says, you know, I've come to my senses. I realize no matter what I do, I can't bring my father back. And then she asks for a couple days off to clear her head. And then Kingpin says, I love you. And then as soon as she leaves, like he's Kingpin's talking to Kazi and he's he's worried about all this stuff, like with the Ronin, uh, you know, an Avenger taking interest in their operation, Eleanor leaving the business. And he says, Maya, my Maya, she's turned on us. And it's like. The, 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 the way Kingpin looks at, uh, his employees and, uh, business relationships as his property. He says, my Maya, she's turned on us. What will we do about it? The people need to be reminded that the city belongs to me. And it's like, um, man, you know, he, he plays a villain so well. He's, he's, he's so good. And just the way he said, my Maya, I just was like, oh, oh, I fucking hate this guy again. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) That really got me when he says, my, my, because I'm thinking about the fact that what he did in order to be able to even call her my Maya, he had her fucking father killed. Like, he couldn't say that before. Like, he had to have her father killed before he could say, my Maya. He views her as property. And that's what it took to, 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 to get Willie, to get her basically undying devotion was to, to get the father out of the way. I, I still feel like that's why 
one of the reasons I, I think maybe like when we get into the Yakko series, we'll learn a little bit more about William Lopez. But as of right now, my best guess is to in order to like fully control her, he had to get William out of the picture. I think it's almost even more sick and twisted than that. Like, I completely agree that he sees her as his property. But I think in his own delusional way, he sees himself as like an adoptive father for the terrible, horrendous things he's done. He still kind of considers himself that person, I think. it It's like a betrayal to him, even though there's all the reason in the world why she shouldn't be involved with him. Like, I, he's just completely delusional about where he stands and... Well, eyes, even you know? at the end of this episode, I'm jumping ahead a little bit. He, but he says, you know, we're family. Yeah. Know? So he goes full, yeah. he full, he goes full, you know, Olive Garden, full, you know, <laughs> I don't think Dom Toretto on her. I don't think he's lying just to manipulate her. I mean, I think that's part of it, but I think in his own sick and twisted way, he does have that parental feeling towards her and he feels like it's a betrayal even though he's kind of the ultimate betrayer in her oh life, i agree know? with you i, I think yeah. like they're doing a lot of the same stuff that that they did with thanos here with gamora and nebula and i mean mm-hmm. we've got the, still again we've got like the whole relationship with uh kazi and um and Maya here, and that turns into later on. And fuck it, I'm going to jump ahead. That turns into the whole relationship with um, Nebula and Gamora because he was like Kazi later on in this episode. As as her, uh, he says, "Don't you understand? This is my life, Maya. My life. It was never supposed to be yours." And a little bit of like it's almost like turned into like a like a sibling rivalry, which. Number one, let me just say that first off, like, I think that that kind of felt like it came out of nowhere, to be quite honest with you. That whole business with Kazi saying, like, this is my life. And, you know, this, it just really felt to me, you know, it was never supposed to be yours. Like, this. This animosity that we're finding out that Kazi has towards Maya in that moment at the end. It was definitely out of left field. It was definitely, it was out of left field. It was almost like they had another story, um, that they completely took out of this. Like there's, yeah. like, like they had, they, like they had written stuff or even acted stuff and, and, and taken it out of this final cut because this entire time I get like this feeling like, that her and Kazi were, you know, super tight, super tight. Yeah. Super tight. And, and very close. I mean, the tracksuit mafia, they don't know ASL. Kazi knows ASL. Um, they've been raised together their entire lives. But what's weird about that is that in that first episode, when we see the little Kazi, they never call him Kazi as he's a child. We only find that out from the end credits. Mm hmm. And so, like, the show doesn't bring it to your attention, and it's almost like at one time that was part of the story. We were going to get into all that. And then did they did they backtrack on that and say, no, we're going to get more into that on the Echo series? We'll have those flashbacks on the Echo series, which makes me think, did Kazi survive the events that happened of this episode? Hmm. You know, like that could be really interesting, but, but, but we don't know. I don't know. It's just weird though. My biggest problem with all this was the fact that at the very end, 
Kazi was like, this is my life, Maya, my life. It was never supposed to be yours. And it's like this, this jealousy, this animosity, this, this rivalry between these two that I never got a sense of throughout the entire series that we've been watching is kind of brought to light in the final moments with these two characters. And it came out of left field, Neil, like you said, it just, it didn't quite work for me. Did you just kind of make up your own storyline in your head for how it worked? For because with me, I lo- I took it as there was the episode before where Clint and him were talking in his car, and he said that you know he had been the lieutenant for William Lopez for several years, and now he's in that same position under Maya. So if, for me, I almost took it as like he's resentful that you know when William was gone, he probably thought he should have got that position, and then he didn't. Like, you know, he's still a number two. I took it as Clint was talking about how you know more about this business than she does and that he might know about her father's death. I never, it never once took any of that as... No, this he is all had, just after the fact stuff. <laughs> you know, like looking at this scene in the finale and being like, "Well, where did this come from? Could he've been it's your head cannon. Is there some sort of yeah, it's my head cannon to kind of make sense of it." <laughs> okay. But I like what you're saying that that maybe they had more stuff planned and it's going to show up in the Echo series. Yeah, um, that but that like that might not ever happen if if Kazi did die. Like how many people in this episode could have died that don't die that come back. It's like, can't anybody just fucking die in a, in a, in a, in a Marvel thing? I mean, it's, it, cause if, cause it, cause we know Kingpin's coming back. Let's not be stupid about that. Yeah, seriously. Like, you don't, you don't bring back Vincent D'Onofrio. <laughs> fucking way he's dead. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you don't bring back Vincent D'Onofrio for fucking, you know, one episode. We see him at the end of one, and then we, we bring him back for one episode for him just to fucking die. And then Kazi's gonna come back as well. It's like, I don't know. Like, don't get me wrong. I, I, I enjoyed this show, but I do think that it has its problems. And I'm not gonna sit here and act like this whole Maya and Kazi thing. Like, it turned into something that we never saw throughout the entire series until like the final moments of these two characters together. It's really weird. It it totally feels like an unfinished B plot that it was like, you know, they were giving you tantalizing little bits of this and that with their relationship and their storyline along the way. But ultimately, this was, you know, a story about Kate and Clint. And so that stuff was just kind of left off. And and if they're not going to find some way to pursue it in the Echo series, it really makes me question, well, what the hell are they even going to do with that? Here's my like so far, every compelling character that they had her cross paths with, they killed. Her father was very compelling. Yeah. Kazi was very compelling. So it's yeah. like, what are they going to do with her with her series? Because they really didn't set up much in this to, to get me super stoked for her series other than I just trust in Kevin Feige. Oh, here's the thing. Watch what he puts in front of me. Here's the thing. I feel like this show kind of like relied on the fact that, oh, we're going to give you Kingpin at the end of this series. And that's another thing that I don't really appreciate about this. I think that if they would have from episode one, from the jump, had introduced Kingpin at the very end of that episode. Like, we didn't get Maya to the end of the third 
or the, was it the end of the second we finally saw her? I think it, I think it was the yeah. second. Yeah. End of the second. We didn't really get to know that character in the third. I think that we should have had Kingpin show up way earlier in this series. That way we could have seen the relationship between Maya and Kingpin, Maya and Kazi, and like all this control and like this, this family that they keep talking about. They keep going full Dom Toretto about talking about this family and all this stuff that they have. <laughs> and we could have saw the dynamics of that family, but I feel like these these Disney Plus series, every series, they hide the main villain from us. Every series. It, is it Kang? Who's the power broker? Um, was it Agatha all along? Um, I mean, every series. And even in this one, it was like uh, – and um, oh, the Loki series were like, yeah, Kang. And in, in this series, it's like – Who's the who's the big guy? Who's the big guy. yeah? And it's like it's, <laughs> I I think it honestly for the other ones it's fine whatever. But I think it's to the detriment of this show to not have Kingpin as the big bad right from the beginning of this series. In my opinion, yeah. I think you could have worked. Okay, go ahead, Neil. The tease wasn't worth it. Like, he, I'm, well, I I don't mean that like he's it's not worth it to have Kingpin or anything, but like they could have just gotten away from the mystery right off the bat. And it would have, as you said, been a beneficial to the show to show that relationship, you know, just here and there, it doesn't need to be a major plot point, but it needs to like, we need to see some of all those things that Kingpin and Maya have together. And it, it by teasing it out, I think it definitely, it made the show not quite resonate as well as it could have, even though I really, really liked it. Um, but yeah, there, there's definite issues with how they laid everything out. That, I mean, that's the thing. That's that's. I think that's where they kind of got lost in everything because they're like, we 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 have an idea on how to introduce Kingpin. We're going to do it kind of like the comics, but instead of like Daredevil being the one that was framed to kill her father, it's going to be Ronan. And that's what we're going to do in this series. But we're going to keep Kingpin on the back burner because we want everybody to experience all this time with Kate Bishop and the new, and, uh, the new, the new Hawkeye, Kate Bishop and our current Hawkeye, Clint Barton. We're going to establish those relationships. And I feel like the villain relationships got put on the back burner and weren't fleshed out enough. So by the time, like by the time this, this whole series is done, all six episodes is done. I love the Clint Kate stuff. I fucking love it. But there's this whole other, there's all these other storylines that they like set up, but didn't like quite flesh out. Great. Like Eleanor Bishop's story is like really weird. Um, you know, the misdirection with Jack is fine. I thought that that was fun. I like the way I love the way that played out. But let, the Maya stuff with the Kingpin stuff and the Maya stuff with the Kazi stuff and the Kazi stuff with the Kingpin stuff, you know, like that didn't I don't nobody convinced can convince me any differently. I don't think it was executed well. Yeah, they really left all that off. They treated it like it was a B plot and it just wasn't as important. But for, for me, with I when I watched this and I watched the finale, the way they wrapped up those other storylines with, with the, the Kate and Clint stuff, 
with the the emotional punch with with the conversation with Clint and Yelena, uh, the really fun fight with with Kate and Yelena, all that other stuff was done so well for me that it didn't really hamper my enjoyment of of the episode or the series as a whole. When I sat and really thought about it a lot the next day, I was like, God damn, this could have been a lot better had they flushed that other plot point out because they could have done so much more with, uh, with, with, uh, with echo. They could have done so much more with Kazi, all that. And it would have made those moments at the end so much more poignant if we would have had more of a connection. But I feel like the, the fun stuff and the, and the other emotional stuff they did so well that, that ultimately I forgave them for it. But I can't say that it's not there because it's it, it 100% would have been better if they would have flushed it out more. I do. I I think each episode, like the, this last one, they gave it an – guys, trust me. I'm not going to – I'm not going to gripe the entire time about this episode and stuff. I'm, we're going to get – I'm going to get to the stuff that I really, really love. But um, I really think that they could have spent an hour on each episode because like this – this last episode was an hour. Mm-hmm. The other ones were about – perfect length. Perfect length. And I think the other, I think the other episodes, if they would have given them an additional 20 minutes, you could have, you could have fleshed out the relationships between, I mean, I would have loved to have seen Vincent D'Onofrio from like episode two of the series on, to be quite honest with you and see how, you know, his relationship with Maya was and how his, you know, how his relationship with Kazi was and, um, that way we spend more time with those relationships. So by the time we get to the end of this, and I'm kind of over, like, who's the, I'm, I'm over, who's the villain of these series? I'm over that. It's, we've seen it in every fucking series. We got to sit here and guess, like, who's the big guy? Who's the, is it Kang? Is it Agatha? Is it, is Wanda the bad guy? Um, who's the, who's the power yeah. broker? Who's, is the bad guy? I'm sick of it. If they would have just, <laughs> if they would have just said, you know what, let's just get, let's get Vincent D'Onofrio in here from the beginning. I feel like he, we had, they had so much they had to fucking throw into that final episode that it was just like, and then they end it with him fucking like getting shot. It's like, okay, <laughs> you introduce him for one, you introduce him for one episode and then you want us to believe that he's shot and dead now. Fuck off. That is so <laughs> dumb. Yeah, they really treated you like an idiot there. I, you know what? I, I really agree with the, uh, they should have shown Vincent D'Onofrio earlier. I, I co-signed that completely. I Hawkeye was probably the least buzzworthy of the four shows. And putting Vincent D'Onofrio out there by episode two, I think, could have helped that a little bit. I, mean, yes. I don't know if it would have. Yeah. But, yeah, geez. And it's just the same trick every time. You're, you're absolutely right. It's either you have to wait until the last episode or you have to wait until the second to last episode yeah. to find out who the actual villain is. And by the time you do that, you have to go straight to the final battle. You get no dynamic between the hero and the villain because the reveal is happening a half an hour before you have to wrap this shit up. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's wild. It would be fun to see a hero villain dynamic in one of these shows established within the first 90 minutes. <laughs> Lun- not that's every, that's not lunacy. Who done it? That's lunacy, Jake. Why would you do that? Uh, I know, I know. I mean maybe season 2 or something, but I mean you're absolutely you're absolutely right. All four shows. Yes, like, either, I know. 
I think the only crazy. one that didn't do the last episode was WandaVision, which did it in the second to last episode. <laughs> right. So I, oh. And fucking Daredevil is now trending on Netflix. Yeah. I, I mean, it just makes no sense. I Did they sacrifice it all so they could have both Spider-Man and Hawkeye happen sure feels in the like week? It sure feels like that, doesn't it? It yeah. does feel like that, and that's yeah. kind of gross to me. That left, that makes me feel just a little bit slimy. That it was more about the the merchandising than it was about the good storytelling. And and yeah, I mean, did those scenes hit the cutting room floor where we knew what Kazi's jealousy towards Maya was, and like the relationship that they had? Is that stuff they they could have put in that they didn't, or was it just that sloppy of of writing? Because I. I really wasn't on the same page as Brian until this last episode with all this stuff when they completely didn't like yeah. wrap anything up when it came to any of that or make me, you know, feel comfortable about the storyline they were telling. So I, I was like, shit, Brian was right. This got really sloppy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I feel like the, the Clint and Kate stuff and even like the Yelena and Clint stuff was resolved. And I, I really appreciated you know, that, but. I, mean, I agree. I, you know what? I It was a really emotional week for me, and this episode was kind of a release when it came to that stuff, and it was from both the Clinton Kate and the Clint and Yelena stuff. I mean, both of those storylines had moments where I was bawling into my hands. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, but I mean, I got a break from crying anytime we cut to the other stuff, that, you know? <laughs> what the fuck is this? <laughs> what is happening right now? <laughs> yeah, so I guess Kingpin saved me from half a box of tissues. I, I guess already glass half full about it. I don't, yeah, it's yeah. like, it's like you have such a great character like, you know, Vincent D'Onofrio playing uh, Kingpin and he does them so well that I think that if they would have just, introduced him early instead of holding on to him and keeping him in their hip pocket for, you know, the penultimate episode and and uh, this big reveal. That way they could reveal it the same week as Matt Murdock being revealed in uh, Spider-Man No Way Home that that if they would have just said, you know what, let's not sacrifice story. Let's let's have Kingpin be the big bad of this and, and the head of the tracksuit mafia. And and we can we can watch the dynamic between. Uh, Maya and Kingpin throughout this entire series, as well as the relationship between Kazi and, and the Kingpin. Cause we did get a little bit of Kazi and Maya throughout this, but by the time Kazi is saying stuff like, this is all supposed to be me. This was never supposed to be you. This is my world. And like, you know, and he's saying stuff like, I, I can't live between both worlds and I can't run away with you. And Maya is still like saying stuff like, we should leave together and, and um even after it's all, it's like she knows that he didn't show up to the meeting and he knew that something was going to go down that night. She's still wanting to run off with this guy, which I thought was just kind of bizarre. But anyway, like when yeah, all that's completely like, unaware of any of this jealousy. So that's fucked up. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't want to I don't want to spend too much time griping about that because there's so much that I did love about this episode. But, you know, I just think it, I, it has it, to be addressed. I think it I think it does. I think it does. Yeah. I want to ride on the complaint train just a second longer before we move on. But uh, the Kingpin death stuff, I fucking hate being treated like a baby 
in fiction. I, it fucking pisses me off. I, I didn't watch past Pirates of the Caribbean 2 because the movie tried to perpetuate that they killed Jack Sparrow off at the end of the movie. And I was like, fuck you. You're a machine. I know there's another sequel coming around the corner. This is just an insult to my intelligence. Uh, they treat the audience like they're fucking morons. And I, I kind of felt the same way with this Kingpin wrap-up. Well, yeah, and it, it's like we know from the comics that, you know, in the comics he – he just gets blinded and then later on has to get like eye reconstructive surgery and then he's, then he's back. Um, that's probably what they're going to, to do in this case. Um, as at well. least do a better job of like, show me the fucking shot happening. Like just the blatant way that they cut away and you just hear the noise. I know. I think like, they want to, they want to leave it up to like, okay, you know, I mean, there's, there's, okay. There's different ways that could have gone down. Like I was thinking at first, like, what if, what if, you know, they cut away because somebody came up behind her and shot her. And we, we thought that Kingpin was shot. And the next time we see echo, you know, she's, you know, an, another one of Kingpin's, you know, mercenaries that he's hired took out echo, or maybe she just, she shot, you know, she didn't shoot him. She shot like near him. And now he's deaf or something like that in one ear or something. I don't know. It's like, you know, why, why pull away? Why pull away just to, to make us think that he's dead when we all know that he's not dead? No, it, it did the exact opposite. It made me know for sure he was not dead. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A hundred percent. Well, and also in like the MCU, anytime there's some, a supposed death off screen, it's like, nah, highly skeptical. <laughs> let's jump back into this um clint and kate make trick arrows which i thought was really cool because clint says trick arrows are all gone and now he's basically bringing in her, her into his world and now they're um macgyvering some trick arrows they got trick arrows that they make from uh stark tech and they got pim tech arrows and they're labeling them this time with a label maker. <laughs> yes, I um, love that. I love this montage. It was a lot of fun to see. Like, because he had a lot of like the character interaction during yeah. the montage. So it, it just really fleshed out their relationship and how he's changed his opinion of her. Oh, yeah. I love, she's, we saw some of the labels. Um, one was freeze, one was icebreaker, one was airbag, one was flash bomb. And she's like asking about a certain type of arrow. Uh, and he's like, Oh, that one's way too dangerous. So she labels it, <laughs> she labels it too dangerous. <laughs> um, now, which, which ones when they're in that final battle, which ones do you think were the Stark tech ones? The Stark tech ones, I pretty sure was, do you remember at the end where he shot off the wood arrow? And then he shot off that one arrow that was spinning mm -hmm. and then went through the wood arrow. The wood arrow split off in two and then killed two of the track suits. And then Kazi caught the arrow. I think Kazi caught the Stark arrow, I think. Okay. I really liked how there was an effort made to be non-lethal with all those, a lot of those arrows too. Like they weren't trying to just murder every single tracksuit guy. They, they wanted to, to <laughs> yeah. incapacitate them <laughs> rather than just kill them outright. So I really appreciated that. Yeah. How about that guy that's probably one-legged now? 
It's not dead. Completely successful. They at least made an effort, though. I like that. He's not dead. (laughs) (laughs) Him and him and Echo will have matching prosthetic legs. Aww, I know. (laughs) Besties. Uh, Clint and Kate, they talk about how getting in the hero business is, um, uh, is lonely. Oh yeah. Clint is talking to Kate about how getting into the hero business is lonely. She'll get hurt and have to make tough decisions, but if she's going to do this, he wants to know that she's ready. And this is where Kate tells him the story about how when she was younger and the aliens invaded New York city, she saw him fighting aliens with a stick and a string. And she says she saw him jump from a building even though he can't fly. And if he can do that, then she doesn't have to be scared. She says, you showed me that being a hero isn't just for people who can fly or shoot lasers out of their hands. It's for anyone who's brave enough to do what's right, no matter what the cost. And I mean, I I thought that that was awesome. And she says, I'm ready. But I thought it was awesome. Um, Here I am. Like, I can talk about the Clinton Kate stuff. And it's just like, I love it. I'm just like, it's, it's got that ooey gooey center that I love. It's got all the action that I love. These, this, they've, they've, they've done such a great job at the relationship between these two. Um, that, and like, and then even with like her relationship with Yelena that we see, even as they're fighting, they're still kind of like besties fighting. And it's like, <laughs> they've done such a great job with that part of this show that it's like, that's where I feel like when our introduction to Kingpin and the Daredevil series is different than our introduction to Kingpin here in the Disney Plus series, where I feel like it was way – I think I think that it was just way better in the Netflix series so far. And I'm not counting it out yet because I, I don't think it's the last we're going to see of, of Kingpin, but I just think it was – yeah, I mean, think about it if this is the first – like, think you didn't watch the Daredevil Netflix series. Yeah. And this is the first time you're seeing MCU Kingpin yeah. with no background as to anything D'Onofrio has done before. I, I think it would come off a little a little weak. There's really no – like, his character isn't defined in the least compared to how it works in Daredevil. Our excitement I mean, for the character lives and dies with that Marvel Netflix with – the, with the Netflix series. Mm-hmm. Right, I mean, yeah, dude, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think yeah. I would, I think I would think D'Onofrio did a really good performance, but I think I would think the writing kind of lacked when it came to defining that character and his motivations, and you know why I should be yes. sympathetic if I'm supposed to be, or or just what. I mean, it's it's really relying on our prior knowledge of his character from the Netflix series, which again. I think is why that is trending on Netflix right now is because you have these newbies coming in and they're like, who the fuck is this dude? Right. And so they're watching the Netflix series. Oh yeah. Yeah. Netflix saw an increase in people watching daredevil. That's for damn sure. A hundred percent. I've been part of that. I've been rewatching the first season. It's so damn good. <laughs> I don't blame you. It's and they do so such a good job of fleshing out his character and showing why he is the way he is. Yeah. And, you know, making him a sympathetic villain that at the same time you absolutely despise. Exactly. Exactly. You know, like Bravo. It's a hard thing to do. And they did it so well in that. And yeah, I mean, if this is your first time ever seeing him and it is in Hawkeye episode six, 
<laughs> I mean, yeah, you're missing out on a lot. <laughs> you you, you got to go watch the Daredevil stuff. It's, it's yeah. fantastic. And, and that's that's another thing right there where had they taken that extra 20 minutes in, in each prior episode and given us more of that B story and actually bringing Kingpin in earlier, it would have paid off way more at the well, end of kind this. of maybe explaining the world that he lives in now because we haven't seen him since way before the snap. So, like, did he get dusted? We don't, we don't know any of this. We don't, yeah. Did we, he have to, like, rebuild his empire? Like, how did he get back to this place? Why is he in charge of the tracksuit mafia? These are all questions that we may get answers to at some point down the road, but we don't have them now. No, we don't. <laughs> it is. It's super frustrating. It's super frustrating. Uh, we, we're taken to the Bishop holiday party. Kazi has set up a sniper rifle. He's going to take out Eleanor Bishop when when he sees her. Um, the LARPers, though, are, they're the servers at the party. Um, oh my god, I love them so much. They're, they're great. Here's the thing, um, I, I, another complaint that I have, um, with some of the stuff in this show is the fan service to the Matt Fraction, David Aha series. A lot of it just feels like fan service and doesn't feel like, like, doesn't feel like okay they they grills the character in the comic is a guy that grills on the top of the roof of the apartment building that clint lives at and he ends up dying at the end of the comic series they just named this dude grills in the show right i mean that's that's yeah totally yeah just a nod and a wink lucky the pizza dog has no origin story as to why they name him lucky at the at the very end of this episode it's just like there's no story behind calling him lucky it like that's just his name at the end of the episode and it's just fan service for the comic readers for the sake of it being fan service for comic readers there's nothing else behind it um yeah, i didn't read the so, comics so like none of that like resonated with me at all yeah the pizza dog stuff is so heartbreaking in the comic too yeah like it's yeah. they just name him pizza dog and that's that like compared to what goes on in the comics with that like oh my gosh, it's night, it's night and day. It is just fan service in the show when you compare like just how much story that gets and how impactful it is in the in the series. Yeah, yeah. Um, Jack is out of jail and he's at the party. He's got the sword by his side. Um, <laughs> yes, I love that. What a what a man. There's but here's another thing. There's no payoff for the cops that arrested Jack in in the last episode. Like. One, the, like I said last episode, one of the cops that showed up to arrest them was the same cop that talked to, um, Kate and said, you need to come into the office and talk to me about these guys that fucking like burned down your apartment. She never goes in to see him. He's there at the, he's there arresting Jack and nothing comes about from any of that. <laughs> <laughs> Any, I just don't, cash. I just don't under, no. I just don't understand like why why is there a scene of a police officer calling yeah, Kate? Why even include that? Saying you totally. need to you need to come down to the station and talk to me about the events of that of what happened last night. And she's like, yeah, I'll be there tomorrow. Nothing ever happens. And then the <laughs> next time we see that police officer, he's arresting Jack and sa- and doesn't even acknowledge Kate at all. <laughs> um Yelena, we see her at the party. Um 
Kate then uh, shows her mother, Eleanor, the video at the party and tells her that the kingpin wants her dad. Kazi sets his sight on Clint and starts shooting up at the party. And um, Kate then sees Yelena going after Clint and then follows her to the elevator. And we get the elevator scene between those two. And um, Kate Bishop. <laughs> <laughs> that elevator scene was spectacular. So oh, good. Those two so together much. are just like... Oh, I, I, it's just I want dynamite. A, I want a series with or something with just the two of them doing stuff like random shit. I don't care yeah. what it is. Well, it would just, be like just an, being it, gal pals in the city would be enough yeah. for me. Well, it would be like <laughs> yeah. it would be like the the new Hawkeye, the new Black Widow series. Yes, right. Uh, like, give it to me, please. Yes, <laughs> that I would be so, Their their chemistry is so good. Every time they're on the screen together, I'm just I'm smiling and my eyes are just glued to the screen. Yeah, they're really good together. They're really good like, together. And, and uh, Florence Pugh as Jelena is so goddamn like captivating. Um, she makes everything, every part that she's in, better. Mm-hmm. And, and like, I, I liken her to. Uh, <laughs> so Stephen and I on our show, we have this thing about Tignataro and in, in Star Trek Discovery and how her inclusion in an episode automatically raises the rating of that episode by a, a level. Yeah. And she she feels like that a similar type of character where just if she's in it it's going to be I'm going to like it more, you know. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, there was 100%. almost kind of a, a a meta scene in that where where her and Kate like towards the end of their fight and Kate's like stop making me like you and she's like I'm sorry, I can't help it. And it's like <laughs> it feels meta. Yeah, she, you know, sure. she's making all of us <laughs> like her. <laughs> yeah. It does seem like she's totally down to go get those drinks with Kate after she kills Clint. Like I don't, <laughs> I don't sure. think she's joking. I, <laughs> I'm like, oh, I okay, she, let's do that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I laughed so hard when Kate pushed all the elevator buttons and deleted. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so annoying. <laughs> <laughs> Full elf. <laughs> she's gotta now she's gotta take the stairs oh yeah it's like will ferrell and elf when he like uh-huh yeah. <laughs> he makes all the lights glow <laughs> pushing all the buttons on the elevator um the track suits uh oh yeah kate jumps out the window after yelena and the track suits uh track suit mafia shows up to fight kate as she's outside <laughs> i thought that this was oh it's kate bishop well yes. i first off what i want to talk about like is i think that We've seen so much growth of the character of Kate since the first episode when she's fighting the tracksuits and they start to get the upper hand on her. Like in this, like she is taking them out pretty easily. Right. I mean, I feel like she's, Mm -hmm. she's holding her own against these guys now that she's been working side by side with Clint for a while. Yeah. The fucking, what was it? The Imagine Dragons guy comes up. (laughs) (laughs) I love that guy. Bro, I took your advice. (laughs) It worked, bro. (laughs) Uh, It's those little moments that really like make this series sparkle, you know? Uh, Yeah, dude. The inclusion of those little bits of humor that aren't like the standard snarky, you know, MCU Tony Stark kind of humor. It's just little bits like that that really elevate this thing. Yeah. Uh, Clint and Kazi fight for a little bit uh, before Clint jumps out of the building. And then his um, oh uh, zip line that he created kind of like snaps and he falls into the uh, Christmas tree outside of the Rockefeller Plaza. 
Um, we get to meet that little owl in the, <laughs> in the as tree. I call him, uh, Chekhov's owl. <laughs> Chekhov's owl, hilarious. <laughs> Kate, seriously she- though, who can't climb down a pine tree? That's the easiest know, fucking right? tree in the world to climb. <laughs> oh God, I used to climb tr- pine trees when I was a kid all the time. Yeah, I know they're like no. literally a ladder with with yeah, needles. Exactly, like evenly spaced branches and shit. It's crazy. <laughs> How many other things have we seen Clint rappel down to? It's I not know, shit, right? right? He's not a fucking, by a fucking tree. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, the visual was cool. <laughs> if you shut your brain off about getting down, yeah, it yeah. looked really neat. It yeah. was more bothersome the second time I watched the episode. <laughs> yes. When it was just pure joy. <laughs> Clint, uh, Clint, uh, is stuck up in the tree, hanging onto it like he's a koala. And then, uh, Kate, Kate has to, uh, uh, she, she she basically uses an acid arrow and then timbers the tree. Um, they're both surrounded by tracksuits. Kate fires off some of the smoke bomb arrows, and then Clint fires off, which I thought this was really cool, a magnetic arrow that yeah. uh, disarms the tracksuits of all their guns. And I thought that that was really, really fucking cool. I loved that arrow. <laughs> Did you notice the uh, the big keyboard that she stepped on when she was going to the window to to shoot the tree down? Wasn't she? She was in FAO Schwartz, right? And that was like the yeah, yeah, yes. That was like the big like from the movie Big, right? The yeah, exactly, yeah. correct. <laughs> yeah, uh, Clint. Nice it, touch. Clint uh, reveals that he's now wearing his comic accurate Matt Fraction David Aha costume, and it looks <laughs> fucking awesome on him. But and yeah, that's fucking awesome. That, I was shocked. I, I did not expect him to ever have it on. I mean, I picked up on the clues that it was going to happen this episode, but I never would have guessed until seeing this episode. Well, I mean, we saw, I saw the leaked pictures of these two walking together. With, <laughs> yeah, see, I remembered seeing Kate in it, but I didn't remember seeing him in. He it. was wearing one. Yeah, yeah. It's the it's the same suit from the comic, and I mean, this is this is fan service that I don't mind. You know, this is yeah. the. This is comic fan service that I don't mind. <laughs> and he was wearing it in all the promo stuff, too. Yeah. Um, so you knew he had to get in it sometime. Kate uses a sonic flash arrow. There's a bunch of arrows here. Like, I, I, so I, many trick arrows. I'm oh, so yeah. <laughs> there's a there's a arrow that spits out a bunch of, like, spikes or needles or whatever as it spins around. Um, there's the icebreaker arrow that one of the tracksuits takes to the leg. Um, and then we get our Avengers like shot of Kate and Clint as they spin around. Yeah, that was um, cool. But there, the, but it reminded me of there's the shot where like they're spinning around and fighting, and it reminded me of you know Clint and Natasha when they're talking before they start fighting in the Battle of New York, and then they start fighting, and it 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 that shot it looks so much of that shot of like Clint and Natasha fighting in the Battle of New York that it it was kind of like. It, it just made me think that she's not taken the place of Natasha, but it made me think like, okay, this relationship that they have, it, it means something now. Yeah. Like it, because it's not replacing it, but it's, it's kind of filling that similar void. Yes. That, that is there now. Mm-hmm. It, yeah. You know, it's, 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 it's different, but it's also a lot of the kind of the similar feelings. Exactly. Exactly. Um, a truck is coming at them and then this is where <laughs> Kate fires one of the, one of the Pimtech arrows at the Trusta Bro truck and, um, 
it becomes a shrink a bro truck and <laughs> and then Clint says, and then Kate says what happens to them now and <laughs> then and, and then Chekhov's owl comes around <laughs> and picks up scoops him up and takes him away do you think that do you think that the owl just like with the talons ripped that truck open and ate them or do you think that we're going to see do you think we're going to see these shrunken down guys maybe in season 2 <laughs> Running away. I was hoping that this would be a post-credit scene. Yeah. Oh, that would have been great. I'm flying on an owl. <laughs> There's so In my much imagination. These guys died <laughs> without a doubt. Yeah. Oh yeah. In my imagination, dinner. These guys got eaten by that fucking owl. They're owl food. Yeah, that owl flew right back to the tree and it opened up that can like it, or a truck like it was a can of sardines. I keep thinking like I was like, okay, we're gonna get a post credit scene where the owl is gonna go whoo, and they're gonna be like, it's me, bro, it's me, bro. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been fantastic. Uh, Kate leaves to go track down her mom, and um, Clint fires an arrow at Kazi. And um, that's when uh, Maya shows up to fight Kazi, and then Yelena shows up to battle Clint. And then we get the whole battle. Uh, let's just go through because like they they intercut between all these battles. Like we cut back and forth between them. Yeah, but we'll, at the end of this, we also get like Kate and Wilson Fisk. Yeah. So it's like these three different like final battle yeah so yelena is fighting clint we'll talk about this one and she says before i kill you i need to ask you one question i need to know what happened and clint says if i told you what really happened you'd never believe me but what you need to know is your sister sacrificed herself she saved the world he says nobody killed her she made a choice yelena yells at him says stop lying and uh he says again after they've been fighting she sacrificed herself understand i couldn't stop her and she he's basically saying like you know he fought for her not to die. And she says that, you know, he should have fought harder. And, um, you know, she's like, you know, Nat, you know, she's just so strong willed. And, and then finally, as Clint has, is down, um, he uses the secret whistle that they had between the two of them when, when Yelena and Natasha were kids. And he, he, he whistles the same. It's a good thing he can whistle. Can you imagine if he could not whistle in this moment? <laughs> <laughs> like, like Clint's dead, right? Thank, thank God Clint can whistle. You know, there's some people that can't whistle. Um, I'm a, sh- I'm a shitty whistler. I would have been dead. Yeah. <laughs> this, this kind of reminded me a little bit of the Martha scene in, in BVS. The whistling part, but other than that, like yeah, except they established this in yeah, earlier movies, and it wasn't just this yes. fucking it, butt rabbit they pulled out <laughs> of a fucking hat. Right, I know, <laughs> but like it had similar vibes to me. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't think that though, like when I because it was just like one of those like the only person that would know about that whistle would have been. Natasha, and so for him to know that whistle, they had to be pretty close. Like, right. you know that that whole Martha thing was just like, oh fuck, what a coinky dink. Yeah, it was a happy fucking accident with no like story to build it up or anything. We were like, it doesn't make anything better. Just you know, both their moms' names are Martha. It does nothing for character development. There is like one. Like Ryan said, yeah. you learn you learn Clint and 
Natasha were that close for them to know this information. There was like one day where fucking Zack Snyder was like, he was, you know, flying out of New York and he's eating pizza at a Sabaro's. And then all of a sudden he's like, oh my God, both characters' names, their mother's names are Martha. And he's like, oh my God, I got to use that in a movie. (laughs) Fuck yeah. He ate a cheeseburger and then jacked off and was like, this is the greatest day ever. They don't sell cheeseburgers at Sabaro's. He was eating like a calzone or something, Jay. <laughs> you know Zack Snyder orders off menu. Yeah. They're like, they're like, sir, we, we, this is Sabaro's. We don't have cheeseburgers. <laughs> Zack Snyder, Zack Snyder still orders a cheeseburger. He's like, but both their names are Martha. <laughs> Um, and, uh, Clint, Clint uses, Clint uses the whistle and he tells her that he knows about their relationship, the secret whistle, how they got separated when they were kids, how she was flying the plane. Um, he asked her, uh, if, if she was scared and, uh, she said all she could think about is Yelena being safe. And that he said that never changed. And so, which is another reason for her sacrifice on Vormir was not only to keep the the world safe, but also that she was thinking of Yelena. And Yelena says if she was there, she could have, uh, she could have stopped her and changed it. Oh, and this is where Clint says, you know, Natasha, you can't, you couldn't, (laughs) you couldn't. Um, And then um, that kind of like, it doesn't end with the two characters hugging or, you know, Anything like that, it just ends up with basically Yelena leaving, and uh, and Clint gets just, to just, go just ahead. Kill him. Yeah, Clint gets to get, Clint gets to live. So um, Maya and Kazi are now fighting, and uh, this is where Maya tells Kazi that she doesn't want to kill him; she wants to leave this world with him together. And Kazi says, "Don't you understand? This is my life, Maya. My life. It was never supposed to be yours." <laughs> And uh, this is where I had the problem with the whole jealousy, you know, from Kazi kind of coming out of out of nowhere. Um, she still wants to leave together. Kazi says he can't live in both worlds. He won't let that happen. And he won't let that happen, meaning Kingpin won't let that happen. And uh, Maya stabs him and he's presumed dead. So and then Kazi says, leave Maya. He's coming for you. Uh, Kingpin shows up to get Eleanor, rips the fucking door off the car. So badass. (laughs) (laughs) Kate shoots him with an arrow and he just kind of snaps it and they fight. Um, Eleanor hits him with the car and, uh, he gets up and they fight some more. And, uh, this is when, um, the, uh, all the arrows are snapped by Kingpin and then they're, Trick arrows are just broken, scattered on the floor, laying around him. Kate does the coin snap, which I thought was going to come back, but she uses one of um, his cufflinks this time, not a coin. She uses one of Kingpin's cufflinks. And I'll point out that it's one of the exact same cufflinks that we see in the Daredevil series. So they had to, of course, throw that Mm -hmm. detail in there to confuse us even more. (laughs) Right. Right. Uh, yeah, Are, you know, is he the same kingpin from the series? Because like we don't know. Like, here's the thing. First off, I want to say this: kingpin was tough in the Daredevil series, but he wore like a uh, kind of like a armor vest, armored right, B- uh, 
bulletproof vest. Yeah, and and in this one, he just it's it's all it's like he's just super powered. He's ripping car doors off with his bare hands, um, snapping an entire handful of arrows in right. one go. Yeah, like could okay. And I know Kingpin in the comics is larger than life. He's huge. He's very strong. In the MCU, are we to believe that somewhere along? I mean, is is are we just to believe that this guy is super strong to where arrows can't hurt him? Uh, or could Kingpin have had deals in the past with maybe the power broker and got a hold of some kind of super soldier serum of some kind? Or maybe he's a mutant. Yeah, uh, I think there is something to be said about he got power somehow, and I think that'll probably be used to show us how he survived what happens to him oh that's a good link i like that yeah i mean yeah i we're seeing a lot of these underground you know criminals and and things like that maybe you know we've been introduced to you know um sharon carter you know former agent 13 as the new power broker as this power broker character and which i still fucking hate sorry neil um but um you don't think it's deserved you don't think it's earned do you no yeah i I get that too we talked about this (laughs) yeah in that in that series i get it it. yeah i don't think it's earned either um but could you know could, could Kingpin have had deals with Power Broker? Maybe got his hands on some super soldier serum of some kind. That, you know, somewhere down the uh, in the past. I, I mean, it's possible. It's definitely possible. Yeah. Uh, Eleanor gets arrested here. Um, I love this scene. Yeah. She gets arrested. Um, oh, you were just you were just happy to see Kate get her turn her in and. And get her. No, I, I thought the dialogue was really sharp and, and well written here. Uh, you know, Kate talking about herself being a hero, and Eleanor saying, oh, "Is this what heroes do? You know, arrest their moms on Christmas?" And I thought that was just really stinging dialogue and really well written. Yeah, I, I thought it was also like almost foreshadowed by the conversation you were talking about earlier between. Uh, Clint and Kate when he's telling her why you know he's her hero and and the stuff they say to each other it was almost kind of the lead up to Kate having the the moral strength to do what was right here even though it was a hard thing to do no pay no payoff for her father though no I was surprised by that another thing that I felt like kind of was you know like yeah it feels like Clint kind of replaced the the hero worship that her father had was replaced by Clint, but she still revered her father even in previous episodes, saying he was fearless and all this stuff. And and, and why didn't we learn why he owed the kingpin so much money? Is that stuff for? I mean, and here's the thing, Joe, and I I really do think you. I still think maybe you were onto something with the fact that they de-aged that actor. That why? May- why would they de-age him? Why would they pay a VFX <laughs> team to fucking do that? I, I, dude, I get it. Like, like if this is stuff that they, if this is stuff that they don't explore in season two, what is the fucking point? Is it all just? Is it all just misdirection? Like making us feel stupid as viewers to get us speculating about stuff that's never going to happen. Is that what it is? Is it, 
if it's just that, I'm going to be so upset. I really hope there's a Hawkeye season two in the, in at least we're going to get some flashbacks or something, but, but flashbacks would take place when Kate's so young that. Well, I mean, if, if Derek's not, if Derek's not dead and we see an older Derek Bishop show up as a villain, Jesus, she, both her parents are shit at that point. Without a doubt, right? The one parent that she had a real close connection with, like voluntarily disappears from her life to get out of a debt. But Lee saddles his family with that debt, like father yeah. of the year. Holy shit. At least Odin found somebody that's a worse fucking father. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, man. That's that's weird that they would de-age that actor and then never do anything. It's that's very suspect. Bizarre. Yeah, just hire a different actor if that was all you were going to do. <laughs> exactly. Uh, Kingpin... Uh, <laughs> King Kingpin, uh, the the police show up to where he was supposed to be. He's not there. He gets away. He's uh, found by Maya in an alley, and Maya pulls out a gun. Um, Kingpin says, "Maya, you and I were family. Family. Sometimes family doesn't see eye to eye." And that's when the camera pulls away, and we hear a gunshot. We see a flash from the gun, but uh, and and we're supposed to believe that Kingpin is now dead. Um, uh, yeah, of course dumb. not. This is so dumb. <laughs> this is so dumb. So fucking dumb. Mm. Question for you guys. Um, do you think that, uh, do you think Kingpin has ever battled Daredevil before? Do they have a connection yet? Mm, I'm going to say Yes. Yeah, I, I think this kingpin is the same kingpin from the Netflix series. I don't. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to say they have a history just because he's been operating for a long time. You know, when when Hawkeye recounted how long the tracksuits have been doing business, you know, if kingpin's been the the guy at the top that whole time, he's been operating for a while, and it makes sense that you know Daredevil would have run afoul of him. Here we go. Vincent D'Onofrio did have a did have an interview where he talks about how this kingpin's different than the one on on the Netflix series. I'll find. I'll, I'll have to pause to find that. Hold on. All right, I found this article. It's from ComicBook.com, and it's titled "Vincent D'Onofrio Reveals How Hawkeye Kingpin Is Different from the Netflix Version," and. Let's see here. He says, I knew that he would be physically stronger and I knew that he would be able to take more physical abuse. I knew that going in. But even then he wanted to treat the character similarly because as he sees it, that's largely the only way to keep him interesting. Quote, Marvel was just so excited that I said that because it's what they were thinking, he tells us. And I think that everybody realizes that the only way this character, as of now, stays interesting is if he has these, even if you make him stronger, as long as he's always based that his foundation is his emotional life and the pain. Everything comes through the pain that he went through as a child. Then we've got a character there, an interesting character. That's really all he says, is the fact yeah. that he's physically stronger 
Hmm. Yeah, I mean, they're not going to hire Vincent D'Onofrio and tell him to play it completely differently. Like, what he says is kind of redundant. It's like, yeah, you got the job because they liked how you did it the first time, and we want to see you do more of that. They're not going to give you the stage direction. Okay, now we want you to act like fucking Heath Ledger in The Dark Knight in this movie. You know, <laughs> What the fuck? We, do, we want you to do interview. everything that you did before, but just do it stronger. Yeah, a little <laughs> bit stronger. <laughs> and it's interesting that he says, like, the motivations of, like, his childhood are still there, are still baked into the character. When the show did, like, like I said, if this was your introduction into the Kingpin, you would have zero knowledge of any of that. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I don't, I'm not 100% sold that this is gonna be an exact, I'm not saying it's a variant version of Kingpin, I'm just, I do think that this is like the Kingpin, I just don't know if they're going to be beholden to the storylines that we saw in the Netflix no. series because of like the whole, um, Luke Cage of it, the whole Iron Fist of it, the whole Jessica Jones of it. These are characters that I don't know if they're returning. Now, I've heard that, you know, the actors that played Karen Page and Foggy Nelson are going to be the same actors coming back and returning for the Daredevil series. That's what I've oh, that's heard. Cool. That's what I've heard. I can't confirm it, but yeah, that's what I've heard. Them. Yeah, I liked them, too. That would yeah. be great. The only one I don't want to come back is Finn Jones. Yeah, well, I don't expect Finn Jones to come back, and I don't expect that um, our actor, um, uh, what's his name? Uh, Mike that, Coulter. Mike Coulter. Uh, I don't think he's going to come back and be playing Luke Cage, sadly. So, um, you know, and just as I was starting to warm up to him as well. So, but, um Yeah. I think there's just My so, gut much, says there's so, so much history and so much shit that happened in those Netflix shows that I don't think they're canon. I, I think that they're just bringing no. it. I mean, maybe in a different part of the multiverse because they can pretty much do that with any Marvel property now. But I think they're just picking and choosing the characters they liked and saying, hey, we liked you the way you performed that so well. Just keep doing that same performance here. Yeah. And, you know, we'll we'll put our MCU spin on it. You just do what you do and let us take care of the writing. Use all that character history yeah. for yes. how you're going to inform the character going forward, but don't necessarily think that it's the actual history. Of the oh character. yeah. We'll okay, still, we'll yeah, still I, get, I that, yeah. we'll still get hallway scenes with daredevil. I'm sure, you know, stuff like that, mm-hmm. you know, they'll, they'll want to, oh. yeah, they're going to want to, <laughs> they're going to want to oh, keep it. The, those long sequence, long sequence, the long shot, uh, action sequences with uh, daredevil. We get that in moon Knight too. Oh my God. Oh, oh yeah. Excited. If they try and do some sort of hallway scene in that in the Daredevil series when that comes up, they're going to have big shoes to fill. Oh, totally. Yeah. I think and, it's I think and, and they're going to have to know it going in, and so that means that if they do do it, they're probably going to do it over the top, and it's going to be the shit. I think it's it's not like public knowledge, but I do think that there are the rumblings from people in the media and you know inside sources that have talked about how. You know, just like we talked about how, uh, you know, uh, Kingpin says to Maya that always, you know, family always doesn't see eye to eye. I think there was a lot of, uh, you know, um, Kevin Feige and Jeff Loeb, um, not seeing eye to eye when it comes to the Marvel stuff oh, yeah. on the TV mm-hmm. side. And I think that that's one of the big reasons that we saw this series at the beginning of it. it they call it a Kevin Feige production. And I think they're wanting, I think sure. Kevin Feige is wanting to separate um, his version of Kingpin and Matt Murdock 
from the versions that we saw in in the Netflix, Netflix shows, stuff yeah. in just subtle ways, mm-hmm. you know, and 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 make it his now. Like he's like, oh, I I want to play with your toys that you had on that show, but I'm going to do it my way. So yeah, and and so that leads me to believe that he would never say, oh yeah. All that, all that Netflix stuff. Yeah, that's canon with the MCU. All that happened. This is the exact same Matt Murdock, right. the exact same Wilson Fisk. I don't think that ble- bad, bad blood allows that to happen. Well, at the end of this episode, like you know, Clint comes back to the to the house uh, and and meets up with Laura, and he hands her her watch back, and it's got the Shield logo on it and the number nineteen. So she was Agent Nineteen, which in the comics that was Bobby Morse, who was Mockingbird, and so we're kind of led to believe that Laura Barton was Mockingbird, but yeah, in Agents of Shield. In Agents of Shield, <laughs> in Agents of Shield, hold on. In Agents of Shield, Mockingbird, she, basically Agent Nineteen was Adrian Palicki. Did they? I don't think they called her Mockingbird though. Did they? No, they haven't yet. No, I don't know. I saw Jake, you didn't watch Ag- Agents of Shield. Oh yeah, I don't fucking know what they called anyone. <laughs> I can't remember That's if they called her Mockingbird. <laughs> I can't remember if they called her Mockingbird on the show, but I mean, her character was definitely Bobby Morse. She was Bobby Morse, yes. I don't think they ever called her Mockingbird, but she was Bobby Morse. Yeah, and she fought with the two sticks, just like Mockingbird does in the comics. And Wikipedia has her as Bobby Morse Mockingbird. Wow. So basically, Daredevil Netflix is more canon than Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. now. <laughs> <laughs> it always felt like that to me anyway. Oh, yeah, totally. I Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is so ignored by, like, the Feige side. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's, like, the, the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. in the first few seasons, at least, as far as I watched, they kept trying to, like, utilize the events of the movies as plot points in their show, and, like, there was never any reciprocation on the movie side. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was a one-sided relationship. Oh, yeah. <laughs> So I don't think Agents of Shield has anything to do with actual MCU canon. Yeah, anymore. I, I, I would, I would like, I would consider those like in the multiverse if we're gonna, yeah. you know, yeah. Um, okay, I, yeah, I uh, let's just go ahead and rate. Let's go ahead and rate this episode, and then also if you want to rate the whole season, um. I'd be fine with that as well. Uh, Neil, go ahead and, and, and rate this episode. Yeah. Um, th- oh, hold on. Let me play. If this is oh, your yeah. first time listening to Pop Culture Leftovers, <clears throat> this is our rating system. The rating system is simple. If the leftovers don't like something, they toss it. If they do like something, they suggest you taste it. And if it's brilliant, it gets a Tupperware rating. If all the leftovers love it, then it gets the pinnacle of success, a Tupperware party. Yeah, go ahead, Neil. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I really thought that this episode did a good job of tying down a lot of the loose ends that were in the series. Um, but it did leave enough unanswered questions that hopefully there's a season two to continue those plot lines. Um Obviously, as I said earlier, the inclusion of Yelena automatically gives it 
good, gives me good feelings about it. Um, I, I loved all the action set pieces. I loved all the, the humor. I, I loved that, like, some of the side characters actually got some shining time. I, I loved, uh, Jack Duquesne's turn into the swordsman and killing a bunch of people, which he's never really called on. And then, like, the LARPers suiting up. That was all super fun. I, I, I'll give this episode a Tupperware for sure. Um, the season as a whole, because of a lot of the issues we've brought up and that have been present throughout the series, I'll definitely, I'll give it a high tasted overall. Uh, there's a lot to love about this, but there's also a lot of issues I have with it. Um, but in general, it's incredibly enjoyable. I love the whole thing. Okay, I'll let you go next. Um, I'm going to, for as much as I loved a lot of stuff in this particular episode, there's a lot that I didn't care for. Um, I loved all the Clint and Kate stuff. I love Jack was fucking great. Um, I, the LARPers were a lot of fun. And I just had a problem with... I had a problem with, if this is your first introduction to Kingpin how much we got of him and how they ended it with him by the end of it. And, um, I also had a problem with the whole Maya Kazi encounter and this whole jealousy out of nowhere from Kazi, which was not, I felt, I don't feel like they, they had done anything previously in the season to lead me to believe that this character was like, it's, out of nowhere saying like, this was supposed to be my life. You, you know, you took it from me. This is supposed, I'm like, where is this coming from? I, this is all brand new. Um, so I'm going to give this episode a taste it. And, um, I'm going to give this season as a whole, uh, a high taste it because I think what they did well, they did really well. Like the Yelena stuff I thought was handled fantastic like the series makes me want to know like when are we going to see her next like you know when is she still going to be working with val after val gave her this information to kill clint and and um you know i'll give it a high taste on the season i don't think it was a perfect season by any stretch um but um they did they did some stuff really well, and then I think in this final episode, there were like, for as much as I love Vincent D'Onofrio as the character, it was just like, why have we not seen this character throughout the entire season? Why is it this final episode, and then they just kind of throw him away at the end? Oh, he's shot in the face, and he's dead now. Like, come on. 100%. So dumb. <laughs> so for as much as I loved everything else, I think that those are some glaring <laughs> problems with this episode. So this episode just gets a solid taste. It, I did enjoy it, and I'm glad I watched it. I thought it had some fun action scenes, but um, not perfect in my opinion. Um, Joe. Yeah, this this episode really worked for me. Like I was saying earlier, there there were parts in it that I think the episode could have been better had they flushed those out. Um, but in the at the end, my enjoyment of it it wasn't really hampered by that. Like in the moment, like I had such a good time watching this, and and I've watched the episode probably another four or five times since, 
and the the high parts of it still just carry me through um the the all the scenes with Kate and Yelena were so much fun uh the the emotional high points between you know Kate and Clint and then between Clint and Yelena really really worked for me um yeah, so so for me, I'm I'm gonna give this episode a, a Tupperware just because I enjoyed it so much, and 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 overall, this I don't know, Hawkeye might have the most rewatchability factor for me so far of all the Disney Plus shows, and like I I loved Wandavision, I I loved Loki, I I, I really really enjoyed uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier a lot, and when I line them all up, I think that. Hawkeye is still the one that I would be most excited to sit and like binge all six episodes. It's probably my uh, in a it's row. probably my least favorite out of all those. To be honest with you, I don't. Yeah, this, yeah. I don't know. It just really worked for me. It's like I'm the, just on the up. The I'm, on the, I'm the opposite. I I I, I think Loki's my favorite. <laughs> <That one's Joe. laughs> I think well for me, I, Loki's my favorite, followed by WandaVision, and then. Um, it depends on the time of year. If it's Christmas, I'll watch Hawkeye. But <laughs> any other time of the year, I'll probably watch Falcon and Winter Soldier. So, yeah, yeah. So I just loved it. I'm gonna. I mean, I'm gonna give the whole season a, a Tupperware for me, and it's really coming down to to just my personal enjoyment uh, of it. Like the the stuff they did well, they did really, really well. But you know, it's not something that I'm Tupperwareing and saying, "Oh, I'm Tupperwareing this because it's perfect." Like you know, I'm kind of loving it warts and all. Okay. Um, because it, it definitely could have been flushed out a little bit more, but god damn, th- this this might have some of my favorite MCU moments. Like, no shit that that scene with with um with Kate and Yelena in the her apartment, and the macaroni oh, and cheese scene, so it was good. so charming, so funny. Like, like I've been laughing all week doing the like <laughs> like Rudolph the super powered reindeer. So weird. funny. I saw somebody compare it to like a Tarantino scene, and I can't get that comparison out of. My oh head. yeah, yeah, that's an apt comparison, and because it's it, super funny and engaging, <laughs> but there's this undercurrent of like extreme of violence. Yeah, yes. <laughs> I guess the I'm, scene in the elevator was so goddamn funny too. Sorry, Brian. Yeah. What no, I love all that stuff too. I guess I feel like the Grinch now because of my ratings. <laughs> oh no, do you know what I mean? But but like I just loved that stuff in it so much. But I totally agree. They the, villain wise. This season did kind of drop the ball because yeah. they they didn't flush out Echo enough to to make her fully, you know, like dude. I feel like really the, really care about the her, Echo but, series. It, they're relying on the fact now, like, because I don't think that they did enough with her and enough with Echo for them. I think they're relying a hundred percent on the fact that we're excited for Kingpin to return in that series, yes, and then they're gonna step honestly, they're gonna step it up. Watching- Oh, They're going to step it up even more if Matt Murdock shows up in that series. And I, oh, I, yeah. I think like, why not just make the fucking character awesome herself so that we can't wait to see Echo again? Yeah. So. Yes. Because after this is, after this whole season was said and done, if you just said, what do you want to see from the characters and this is your next show? 10 out of 10 votes, I'd be, give me that Kate and Yelena. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And and I would like giving me an echo show. That would be much lower in my list of priorities just because they didn't do enough to, but it would have been so much better. Her character. Well, it it would have been way better. If fucking Kingpin been involved the whole series, 
If Kingpin yes. would have been in the whole series, we would have been like, okay, I'm just, okay, more echo, more echo, because now she's like, now she's got like a real villain that, you know, they've established this guy as like a father figure in her life, blah, 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 blah. It's like, we don't see any of that until the fucking last episode. And it's a huge letdown for me. Yeah. So in, 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 in like, you know, even knowing all that, I'm still okay with Tupperware this because I loved the other stuff so much. Okay. You're, you're, you're more forgiving than I am, Joe. <laughs> yeah, Jake. Yeah, this was the hardest episode for me to rate. I The Kingpin stuff just made me want to punch myself in the face with how they like wrap that storyline up. But the other stuff was just so fucking good. It was some of my favorite stuff from any of these Marvel series, like the, the Yelena Kate stuff, uh, the um, the stuff at the end with Clinton Kate just, man, it really got me. I thought the show just really ended on a high note. Like, my ultimate dream for this show, once I fell in love with these two characters, was that Kate would get to come home with Clint for Christmas. And the show really, <laughs> the show really yeah. fooled me. Like, I was hook, line, and sinker that she was not there because they didn't show her. And then Clint delivers the line, you coming, and they pan over to her get out of the truck. And I mean, I just, I was just not ready for that. I just, I just <laughs> lost it. I had like happy tears streaming down my face at that scene. So yes. I guess I'm going to be a little bit more forgiving with the Kingpin stuff. And I probably just would have tasted this episode if it wouldn't have nailed the ending on, on that emotional impact with these two characters. So I'm going to give this episode a very high taste it. And I'm going to go ahead and give the series a high taste it. I, I'm surprised at how much I enjoyed this series with the, uh, Hawkeye not being one of my favorite characters and not being the biggest uh, Haley Steinfeld fan going in. I I, I really kind of fell in love with both these two and the, and the characters they play. And I, I can't wait to see more of them, honestly. I, ne- I never would have thought I would have said that. That's very cool. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I enjoyed the series, but yeah, I don't know. I, I, I think... Uh, I, I I think I do enjoy it more than Falcon and Winter Soldier. I do think I enjoy it more than Falcon. But it's it's also my least favorite, Brian. I, I'm WandaVision, yeah. Loki, Falcon, Hawkeye. Yeah, I I, I don't know. It, I'm kind of tired with the I I can definitely say Loki then WandaVision. Um and then maybe it's like a tie between Hawkeye and Falcon and Winter Soldier, but you know, I don't know. Um, <laughs> Zemo's kind of like the Yelena of Falcon and Winter Soldier. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> totally is. <laughs> I know I promised everybody that I was going to open gifts on this episode, but um, I'm not going to be opening gifts tonight. I've got a sick cat that I need to get back to. He he has a respiratory infection, and I want to keep an eye on him. So I'm going to open up everybody's gifts on Christmas Day and then thank everybody um, when we when we return. Um, in a couple weeks. Um, but, uh, yeah, uh, send good vibes my way for, uh, send good vibes he's way because he's got a respiratory infection and the guy is not feeling great and he's not eating right now and I'm really worried about him. So send, uh, some positive thoughts his way and, um, we'll be back, uh, we will be back on, uh, uh, next year, Jake. We'll be back uh, January 1st was when we record, and we'll drop the episode the next day. Uh, yeah, Book of Boba Fett comes out uh, um, next week. There's a, the 29th, the 29th, yeah. So next week, yeah. Book Boba of, Fett? The Book of Boba yeah. Fett? 
Yeah. I, I know. I know. I'm doing that. <laughs> I'm doing the Han Solo line. I got oh, I got God. You. I didn't. <laughs> I, I get it now. Okay. Yeah. Jake is Jake. Jake. Jake was. I was frozen in carbonite, apparently. <laughs> have no idea what the fuck is going on. <laughs> so. hey, well, before, we, before we head out, uh, what would you guys think of the post credit scene? The, oh, uh, fuck off with that post credit scene. One of the worst of all time. I was so pissed. I was so goddamn pissed, Neil, because I was like, first off, like, I didn't listen to the music when they released, like, the, they, like, they, didn't they release the music or something? Yeah. Yeah, they put it on like Spotify. I didn't listen to it. I didn't give a shit then. And then I felt, I felt like they fucking forced me to watch this shit. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I agree. I turned to Michelle and said, I would have rather saw the ant play drums. <laughs> no shit. <laughs> I would have liked to have seen Aunt May play drums. <laughs> oh. oh yeah, dude. That sounds amazing. Mm. Mm. No spoilers. <laughs> oh shit! You were like channeling Newt from Aliens with that tone of voice. Yeah, yeah. mostly. <laughs> oh man, yeah. Uh, Neil, thank you so much for joining us on this episode. Where can people find you? Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, you can find me on Smorgasbord, uh, along with Stephen Farshid. We do recaps of Star Trek episodes, and we are currently in the midst of recapping Discovery Season 4. There you go. Chuck, Neil, and Stephen Farshid. Stephen Farshid, great guy. Yeah. Great guy, Stephen Farshid. Check Neil and Stephen out on uh, Smorgasbord, a Star Trek Universe podcast. And uh, Joe Stark, where can people find you? Yeah, you can find me on Starkcast, my long-form conversation podcast that I do every week. Um, uh, most recently, I had uh, Chris from the band Volk on, so I'll have, that'll be my next episode coming Ooh. up. I had a great time talking with Chris. Very cool. Good band live, too. Oh, yeah. He said he's going to hit me up when they're coming through Iowa next time, and I'm like, oh, I can't wait. Yeah, I got to see him in Oakland. It was fan-fucking-tastic. That's awesome. Yeah, very cool. Yeah, check out Starcast. Um, yeah, let's wish everybody a uh, Merry Christmas and a uh, and a Happy New Year. Ha- Jake, been uh, twenty twenty one uh, kind of sucked, but uh, I will say <laughs> that the leftover army made it uh, a little bit better for us. I'll tell you that much. Oh, one of the few bright spots of this year for sure. Yeah, yeah. So. Oh my god! One more day, one more day of war at the grocery store for me, and then I can fucking relax. Nice. <sighs> yeah, like, what? what oh, I'm not for Christmas. I'm just gonna be. I'm gonna be nursing, nursing my cat, making sure he's okay. And uh, yeah, I took I took him to the vet. Just so people were curious, I did take him to the vet, and and oh my god, it's just like I don't know if it's like if it's like. Uh, if it eases your worries that much more, cause they're like, oh, it could be this, but in order to know, we got, you gotta take them here, and then they gotta do this and that, and it's like, oh, it, and then they're like, oh, it could be a tumor. It's like, oh my god, fucking, fuck off Arnold Schwarzenegger, it better not be a tumor. And mm. it's just like, I, <laughs> it's, it's, so, I think it's just an upper respiratory infection, cause it, all the signs, he's like got leakage out of his eyes, and he's got, and he's, 
um, got, uh, he's constantly, you know, wheezing and he's got stuff coming out of his nose. So I'm just using a humidifier and I got this lysine, um, supplement that, that he's taking. And so I'm just, I'm hoping for the best. I just want this virus to pass and him to get better. Cause it's just, that's going to be my Christmas is just, you know, watching he he and taking care of him. Poor guy. Well, he had good vibes to he he for me, for sure, man. I hope everything pans out there. Mm-hmm. All right, guys. Uh, that is all we have for Hawkeye. And, uh, yeah, we will return with a regular episode, uh, next year. Uh, yeah. Thank you for 2021, and we'll see you then. See ya. See you, everybody. Thanks for listening to Pop Culture Leftovers. Congratulations. I don't know how you did it. I couldn't do it. You people need a T-shirt saying, I just listened to two hours of nonsensical crap. Anyway, if you'd like to reach the Pop Culture Leftovers cast, you can email them at comments at popcultureleftovers.com. You can also follow them on Twitter at PC Leftovers or like their Facebook page. They'd love to hear from you. They're all pretty sad and lonely. One of them is homeless, but I didn't say that. There's already like 7 million podcasts talking about pop culture and all that. Makes us happy like shooting at a womp rat, but it's all been done before. We don't want to be a copycat. We're the leftovers picking up the scraps. By the cool kids. It, it, it's a trap. Good it, toss it, good it, it. Do we love it? Hey, let's fix it, clean, erase it. Let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture. Carry over, counterculture push over. Pop culture leftover. And with the uncool kids, what's to say has already been said. Leftover. Pretty sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers. Original and good have already been done before, so we should separate the wheat from the shaft. And we're the shaft, the crap, even though we're the shit. Woo! We're the leftovers picking up the scraps, dropped by the cool kids. It, it, it's a trap. Good it, toss it, good it, do we love it? Hey, let's fix it, clean it, erase it, let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture, carry over, counterculture push over, pop culture leftovers. What's to say has already been said Leftover Pretty sure that the only talent Is the band that's singing this Pop culture leftovers Do we love it? Hey, let's face it, can't erase it, let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture, carry over, counterculture, push over, pop culture. Leftover, and the uncool kids, what's to say has already been said. Leftover, pretty sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers.